Would you pray with me? Loving God, speak to us once again your word of grace and your word of transformation. May it bear fruit in our hearts that we may be doers and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. By the way, Cheryl, will you or someone else be driving the youth to camp? I will be driving. Okay, wonderful. Before you leave, I would I would like to like to be with them and pray for a little bit. Yes. Okay, so don't leave without the time of prayer. So, all right, wonderful. So I have to admit admit one thing first before I start, and that is that I know not a lot about planting stuff. Uh, like I said. My wife gave me a plant to take care of for a few days, and I did a very poor job. Um, and and I, that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I was reading this, this passage. Uh, one of the things that it became very apparent to me, though, when I was reading it, is that the sower in this parable was pretty bad at his job. Uh, seeds were falling everywhere, and it seems that he wasted a lot of seed. There was no intentionality in his approach. Um, it's very interesting to me how parables, uh, G Jesus uses parables to portray a message. And I imagine, I try to imagine myself just being there in conversation with Jesus, asking questions. And I imagine a, a lot of these people who were there for these parables, perhaps left with more questions that they had when they started talking with Jesus. He had this way about explaining things where he wouldn't just give you a, a straight answer for something. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me now? Right. Let me start over. So, um, no, just kidding. Um, I was just saying that parables, Jesus explained uh, his teachings in parables and these are more conversational rather than giving answers to complex issues. Jesus would engage with people in conversation. I try to imagine being there and, and what questions I would ask, what uh, message I would leave with. I imagine that people approached parables in, in very personal ways where um, they would each kind of bring their background and, and glean different uh, meaning from these from these stories, and they're very important, very rich, and very conversational. This particular parable, Jesus gives an explanation for. He explains that this parable represents the proclamation of the word of the kingdom of God. He says that some people will just not understand what the words are that he is saying to them. Other people will receive this message with joy, but it will not make a difference in their lives because their understanding will be very superficial. Other people will understand the word, but their commitment will be with the world, and so the word will bear no fruit in their lives. But some people, some people will be ready, and the proclamation of the word will bear fruit and make a difference in their lives. As a preacher, friends, this makes sense to me. There are times when I feel very proud about myself when I preach a very good sermon. 
and uh, I did my homework, I prepared a good sermon, and the delivery just feels good, right? Uh, but I know that even at those times, not everybody will be receptive to the message. And there will be times when perhaps I preach the delivery is not as good, I don't feel as confident with the message, and someone will approach me after the service and tell me, Pastor, you know, the sermon really spoke to me today. And I try to remind people, you know, if, if you listen to the sermon uh, and, and you got something that's wonderful, uh, if you didn't get something particularly that time, don't worry about it. Maybe it wasn't for you that day, maybe it was for something else. And then it happens, at least it happens to me, that some days will go by and I will remember that sermon and I will be blessed by it. I will perhaps approach the scripture in a different way depending on my experience. I have to say it's pretty humbling when this happens. I have to come, I have come to the conclusion that preaching is more of an art rather than a science. This does not mean though that I will not be prepared for the sermon. I've had pastors who, and I was having this conversation this morning in our study, I've had pastors who uh, go to church and say something like, you know, I prepared my sermon, took me some time, and then I woke up this morning and I just know that I have to preach something else and here's a sermon for you. This hasn't happened to me yet. And I pray it doesn't happen, to be honest, because I'm not that kind of preacher. I have to sit down and actually write the words. And friends, I know that the Spirit moves in very extemporaneous ways, but also the Spirit moves when you sit down and do the homework. Can you say amen? There's different ways in which the Spirit speaks to your life. And it hasn't happened to me that I get up on a Sunday and I decide, oh, the Spirit is telling me to preach something else. Maybe the day will come, and I'm sure the sermon might be a little longer than usual that day. But it hasn't happened yet. I will give you a warning if it happens, okay? Uh, of the word when we come to our to church. When does the proclamation begin? When does the preaching begin? Do you have an idea? Is it when I sit, when I come here and start talking to you? When does the message start being shared? Who can tell me? You can speak, by the way. What's that? As soon as, as soon as you come through the door, yeah, as soon as you come through the door, yeah, absolutely. Maybe someone comes to you, greets you with a smile. Does that make a difference? Does that set a tone for you as you prepare for the service? It does for me. If there is a place where you can sit down, if someone you know asks to sit next to you so you can feel more comfortable, is that part of the proclamation that takes place here at the church? Friends, I believe it. I believe it. I will even say even before that, 
for people who are people who are joining us from home via uh, Zoom. Uh, the proclamation begins, I mean, if, if people can see clearly what's going on, if people can hear clearly what the person is saying, I think that's part of the proclamation as well. Making, uh, creating an inviting place for people, that is part of the proclamation as well as a church. And we have to make sure that we create that space so that people can be better attuned to the spirit at that at this particular time. So I uh, suggest, or I uh, believe, that the proclamation of the word of God goes beyond the 15 to 20 minutes that I can be here in front of you preaching. It begins way before I stand in front of you, and it does not end when I sit down again. The second thing you need to know is that proclamation goes beyond the words that I say or the person preaching says during the sermon. Some of our more effective sermons are nonverbal. Did you know this? Some of the most effective sermons that you hear at the church are not sermons that are spoken with words, but with actions. They are action-oriented. And finally, the proclamation of the kingdom, I believe, is a communal effort. What do I mean by this? Let, let's, let's begin with the preparation um, and, and the follow-up. Okay, like I said, the proclamation takes place even before I preach and continues after the sermon. I believe and this is one of the reasons why I like this parable, that uh, the sower is, it has an important job placing the seed on the ground, but we know that that's not where the process begins. There's got to be uh, an understanding of the place. Is the soil ready to receive the seed? Is it an adequate place for this to take place, for this uh, process to to happen. And after that, after the, the seed has been planted, uh, the plant that emerges needs to be properly taken care of. And finally, the fruit has to be harvested. If you miss any one of these steps, you will not get the results that you want. There's a preparation that, that needs to take place before the sower even gets there, and then there is follow-up after the sower does his job. And if I believe that the proclamation of the word is like planting a seed, and I do, we need to begin the proclamation of the word with some preparation before the fact and we need to continue with some follow-up after the fact. Like I said, if you're a visitor, perhaps the preparation begins at the moment you walk across the door. Who greeted you when you came in? How did they greet you? Was the place clean? Did you find a place? All of these things, whether we know it or not, 
they set a play uh, a tone for the service. One of the most memorable services that I attended was when I was doing my supervised ministry. I didn't know anybody at this new church. Okay, and I, I, I got there a little early. I sat down. I didn't know anybody. I was kind of hoping nobody would come to me and say, hey, you're sitting in my seat. That's, I always have that fear when I'm in a, a new church that someone's going to come to me and say, hey, move over. It's taken. What happened, though, was that this very nice lady came to us. It was my wife and I. And she said, hey, you guys are visiting? I said, yes. I didn't say, uh, uh, maybe I explained that I'm the, uh, the new student pastor. And she said, do you know anybody? And I said, no. And she said, can I sit next to you? I said, absolutely. And friends, that made such a big difference for us that day, to have someone be there for us at that time. Now, I don't remember what the sermon was for that day, and I'm sure it was great. I'm sure the pastor took the time to, to prepare and preach a very uh, inviting sermon. But what really made a difference for me that day and what I remember is that lady sitting next to me and my wife to make us feel comfortable that Sunday. And we know how people can be with their seats, right? She, she made me sat at the other side of the church. She said, I'm going to sit somewhere else just to make these people comfortable. And that made a difference for me, friends, and for my wife. And that's what I remember, because people may not remember the words that you say, but they will remember how you make them feel during a, a service. That message of hospitality that she preached to us without saying words, that spoke loud and clear to us. Now what happens after the seed is planted? What happens after the sermon? How do we follow up with people? I know in, in, in other places, if, if there's a visitor, we take their information and I make sure that Monday or Tuesday, I give that person a call to say, I'm glad you were here that Sunday. Thank you for coming. Do you have any questions? People usually appreciate that. I would appreciate that. How about an invitation? Not just for the sermon, but to be to join a class or a study or a prayer group. Hence, the proclamation continues after the fact. Now, I, I, I uh, want to think that um, my sermons are pretty revolutionary for some people, but at the same time, the fact that it's 15 to 20 minutes out of a whole week for some people. That keeps me humble. That's not a lot of time. I feel like the real uh, connection that happens with people happens through the conversations, through that engagement. Yeah, this is good, but there's not much of a conversation going on at this point. You're stuck with me just kind of speaking to you for 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes. Who knows? It's not going to be that long. But it's not much of a conversation going on. I believe the follow-up, what happens after the sermon, that can be just as meaningful and transformational 
as this message. But we have to embrace it and we have to act. We have to do something about it. Are you with me? Amen. Can you say amen? amen? We have to pay attention to the messages we share that go beyond the words that we say. Educators talk about things that are taught and things that are caught. There's a difference between the things that we uh, say with words and the messages that we share through our actions. As a father of a nine-year-old uh, kid, I know this. Those who have kids know this, right? There comes a time when you are confronted with the contradictions of how you, the things that you say and how and the things that you do. Dad, you, I've heard this before several times. Dad, you said we should do this, but you're doing this exact opposite, uh, opposite thing. How come? And then I just, it takes all the strength in me to say, don't do as I, do as I say, not as I do. But we say so much to our behavior. And our behavior can be so loud that sometimes people will not be able to hear the words coming out of our mouths because of it. One of my favorite quotes is attributed to Francis of Assisi who said, preach the word at all times and use words if necessary. Indeed, sometimes we talk the talk, but it's what's important is that we walk the walk. We need to be consistent. Because we're always, even though we don't realize it, we're always throwing seeds on the ground. Now, finally, I, I, want, I want you to know that we, all of us, you and me, we are all showers. We are all preachers. Did you know that? Did you know that you're a preacher? The, the reformer uh, Martin Luther understood this when he spoke of the priesthood of all believers. It is our responsibility, yours and mine, to share the message, the good news of Jesus. We cannot wait for the pastor to do it. We cannot wait for the committee, for a committee to do it. Because when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus to the world, friends, we are the community, all of us, every single one of us. I think there are people in churches who perhaps don't understand this. They wait for someone else to plant, someone else to water, someone else to harvest. And they don't understand how much their work is needed at that particular place. I, I had a friend who actually told me once, you know, I, I go to church because I want to be fed. I go to church because I want to receive that blessing from God that God has for me that particular day. And I believe that's true. I believe that's true, but that, that itself is incomplete. Yes, we come to church because we want to be fed. But you and me, friends, we participate in the blessings of others during the service. You may not think that your presence here makes a difference sometimes, but it does. It does. 
you get to participate in blessing the lives of some other people who might come to this place. Just a moment ago, my Michaela, uh, she was sitting next to me and uh, she said, I asked her, do you want to go with the kids after the children's sermon? She was like, no, no, no. I don't know anybody. I want to stay with you. I said, you can stay if you want. After the children's sermon, she approached, she approached me and said, you know what? I met somebody. I'm going. I was like, oh, that was quick. Wonderful. Do it. And this little girl who approached Michaela and just offered just a, a smile and was friendly with her, she didn't realize what she was doing, perhaps. But she was blessing my daughter. She was planting a seed. Just a little child planting a seed, making a difference in someone else's life. Because it's never too early and it's never too late. If you're here, you can contribute to this. You believe that? I believe it. You don't have to be in front of everybody preaching like I am, because not all the sermons are spoken. Not all the sermons are verbalized. We all can share something. We all have sermons to preach in some way or another. Every single one of us, we get to bless other people. When we show hospitality or make space, make room at church for someone who may be different from us, every single one of us is tasked with proclaiming the word of the kingdom. Now, I just want to end with one last thought, and, and that is that growth is given by God. In the first letter uh, to the Corinthians, Paul states, I planted, Apollos watered, but God, give, uh, God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So what is Paul saying to the Corinthians in this letter? He's saying this process of planting, of watering, we all participate on it. We all do our part, but we also have to remember that God does his part as well. We extend a helping hand. We offer a friendly smile. It is God's, uh, it's the work of the Spirit that will transform the life of the individual. There's one quote that I remember for from Archbishop Oscar Romero, and he said, you know, we, we do our best and we preach, but sometimes our words, they go from our mouth and just as far as the person's ear. But from the person's ear to the heart, there's a path that only God can walk. I believe this. I believe this. I do my part. 
I proclaim the word. I make room for people. I try to be hospitable. I welcome people in. It is God who will do the work of transformation in an individual. I do my part. God does his part. It is not our job to transform people. It is not our job to change someone's lives, some, some people's lives. But we can make a difference. Every single one of us, well, a child inviting another child to Sunday school, someone bringing their gifts with music, singing a song, playing guitar, someone shaking your hand at the end of a service, it all contributes, it all contributes to blessing other people and making a difference. It may seem like a small step, but God requires nothing more. God will do the rest. Let's do our part. Can you say amen? Let's yeah. pray. Loving God, we thank you for the ways in which you speak to us and today we thank you for the ways in which you speak through us. Sometimes, God, the, the words get in the way. Sometimes we, uh, uh, we feel limited. But God, we, you, you still ask us to do our part. You ask us to be open and hospitable to others. Help us understand that little steps, little seeds can make a big difference. Help us understand that uh, the, the, the work of planting is a communal effort. It's not just a pastor who preaches. It's not just a person who's at the front. Every single one of us, we can make a difference for other people. Help us not just come to church wanting to be fed, but help us be here to bless others as well. God, we, we know that you move in us. Help us understand that you move through us as well. Help us live according to your plan for our lives. And may we reflect your light. May we reflect your love to other people wherever we go. And so it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. And God's people say, Amen. Amen.